2: the best i mean i'm a brazilian bjj black belt so that's what i show tonight
1: radio Hannibal Silva
3: welcome to ufc unfiltered please tell me that's on video i've never been happier i'm made for a fucking podcast <laughs> that's dangerous <laughs> Welcome to UFC Unfiltered, Matt and I, um, busy show, uh, we have Claudio Silva coming on uh, in a little bit, and uh, Michael Jai White, Dio Jay. I think it's Jai, we can ask him, I can't wait, you know he was Spawn, yes, do you, do you know he was in the Dark Knight? I did not know that. The really? Dark. How about this? How about this? Enough from the clown. Anyway. Oh, and- yes. And- I, exactly. The gangster. Yes. Yeah, he was a fucking gangster. Now, Matt, we, sh- we should touch on the fact that uh, Jake Paul, Tyron, Woodley fight because we both know and like Tyron. And I'm going to say one-, one thing. This is why I don't watch boxing anymore. It has nothing to do with the awful performance uh, by Tyron. It was a very bad performance. I'm well- sorry i like all right i'll travel I'll uh i i love the guy uh but i think he's a much better fighter than that but the judging I, I thought that jake paul clearly won the fight and i'm not a jake paul fan i love tyron but i thought in fairness as far as two guys fighting jake paul won the fight and for some fucking judge to score that for that to be a split decision is everything i hate about boxing it's a terribly judged sport just absolutely awful
4: yeah, no, the, the judging's always something to talk about, but...
3: It's a, a business. The
4: problem I have with the thing with Tyron is, and I talked about it with Ray Longo earlier, and Longo said it the best, you know the guy's not hurting you. Longo's like, yo, I didn't realize how bad Jake Paul was. <laughs> he goes, and I agree, though. I agree. Tyron, dude, the guy's not even hurting you. We you know what you do when a guy's not hurting you? You fucking walk him down. And you walk him down like he was doing at times. And then saying, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck. He kind of does what he's always done and explode here and there, but I think he had the ability, Tyrant. Even when he shows when he got hit, he had the ability to walk him down and right. and just and just take a shit on him. Literally just beat him up. I that's what I feel. But he didn't feel that until maybe he showed glimpses of it. Right. And it's almost it doesn't, it's not the same thing at all, but it's almost like when you think of the Nate Diaz fight versus um, um, Leon, Leon Leon Edwards. Right now, Leon Edwards won that fight. According, you know what I mean? But a lot of all people are kind of talking about is that shot that he landed on him when he was made him do a little, uh, you know, get a little, um, do the old shaky legs. What do you right,
3: right? Yeah, <laughs> you
4: know. So he had him on the ice skates. So just like that, all people are really talking about is that picture of of <laughs> Tyron. Uh putting Jake Paul onto the ropes. So I mean that picture is hysterical because you see Jake Paul a little with some birds above his head, and then you see, like in the background, you see like his relatives, a little kid that looks up to him. And they're all looking like <laughs> like fucking no. So I don't know. Ty- Tyron had the ability if he was more a little uh, more active in there, just he had the ability just to beat him up. I feel.
3: It was a very, I thought it was a uh, really bad dude. I, I thought the Tyron was doing these little short, short feints. Um, like he, and then when he does have him hurt, when Tyron did have him hurt, he did this thing where he's kind of, uh, being fancy with his glove in a circle. I'm like, what do you do? It like the wind up punch that you do when you're about to kick the shit, go in there do some, I don't know. What are you doing? Like, I, I found that to be so frustrating. I'm like, either he wasn't trying to win um, or he wasn't able to do it. I absolutely thought that was a very, very bad performance. And Tyron's a better fighter than that. Like, he's got a crazy powerful hands. It was such a winnable fight, I feel. Like, a such, I mean, to the
4: point where it was it was fun because it kept you, like, whatever, like, guessing. But he could have just, I feel he could have just stayed in his face I agree. and just the shit out of him. I, I don't know what was going on there. But uh listen, you know what? I you know what I'm really, you know what really gets me going is an underdog pulling it off. Gerald Mersha. Yeah. Now, we love Gerald. Yes, we we do. are friends of the show. I, why the fuck don't we have Gerald on today? I'm going to start making some goddamn calls. Hey, bookers, bookers. I'm telling the bookers of this show, UFC unfiltered. Hey man, I don't mind me reaching out to some people. I want to, I want you to get me some numbers. Or else I'm going to have to do it through Instagram or whatever because
3: there's some people I want to fucking talk to, Jimmy. It is mon- uh, Monday. It's possible they're traveling home today. It's just all good. We'll be talking to all of them. But back to Gerald Murshott.
4: He was the biggest underdog on the card. And the way it was starting out, you're like, okay, I see why. I see why. <laughs> because uh, m- how do you pronounce Mark? I don't want to kill his name. Markhamun? Markhamun? Uh Mahmoud Murdov. Mahmoud was... Looking, first of all, accurate, powerful, faster than Gerald on his feet, landing, had Gerald in trouble. Now, this is what I want to talk about. Gerald was very smart with weathering this storm. Now, some guys are too tough for their own good, where they're getting knocked down and, oh, that doesn't look good. I'm getting back up just to get knocked down again. Guys who've been around, guys with a grappling background, specifically jujitsu, they know self defense wise you get hurt. You go to your back. Now they got to get past your legs to hurt you. If you don't do that and you try to fight through and try to get up, the fight could be over before it begins. You know what I mean? Or in that instant. So there's a couple of times. It's not the same as a – it's not the same thing as getting in trouble and doing a shitty guard ball. It's not that. It's not a, a BJJ guy flopping to his back. That's not what I've see, seen. I've seen a guy that got a little – got shook with, with, with a punch, had to clear his head, and he took the time to do it. And it pay, it paid off because he weathered the storm in that first round and even ended strongly on the first round with a dominant position with One one-on hook in with the power half, okay? Looking up, so he, so keeping his head down so he couldn't power out of that. It ended strong. And then I'm telling you, he started landing his own shots in that second round. He got that takedown. Uh, he, it was so beautiful. I mean, I, the jujitsu was on point. Gerald Murshaw pulled it off. Don't count that dude out, man. Don't count him out. He had a hard time with Comsett. I like when guys, I don't like it, but I love to see perseverance. Guys who have a hard time in one fight, people are like, oh man, maybe this guy will just be a gatekeeper. Maybe this guy's best days are behind them. And then he beats a guy. I forgot the, the fight streak that guy was on. Um. Uh. Hey, congrats to Gerald Murshaw. We're going re- to go over some more fights after. But uh, let's, let's talk to Claudio. Jimmy, that's when the music comes in. Bang, bang, bang.
3: This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by P3, the official protein snack of the UFC. P3 portable protein packs are a savory and crunchy combination of three dynamic sources of protein from meat, cheese, and nuts. Each P3 pack contains up to 13 grams of protein, and they come in great tasting combinations like turkey, almond, and Colby Jack. P3, three dynamic ways to fuel your day with protein-packed meat, cheese, and nuts, because three is better than one.
2: Is that an açaí shirt? I see. Yes, it's my brand, you know, Açaí Earth. No, I love açaí. Really? Well, you got to try my one, you know. It's directly from uh, Pará, you know. It's directly from the jungle. Oh, I'm, I like that. You got to go to the
4: source. I like that, man. I'll try that.
2: I do a lot of deliveries right now, you know. I'm, I'm selling in some BJJ academies, some tournaments, you know. That's yes, definitely one day, you know, I'm I'm gonna become like big and I'm selling all over around Europe and you know, in this big markets. Hey, listen,
4: this is be- this is good. Khan has got the proper 12. The, um, not Diego, uh Dustin porio the Poirier, the hot sauce. It suits them both. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert, a fight, five- you you're an ex- expert in jiu-jitsu. What belt are you?
2: I uh, black belt, third. <laughs> Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. High level. Hey, man, you should be having your own acai. Acai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they are brothers, you know. They work together. So that's what I'm saying when I'm getting some gyms and, and tournaments. I say, hey, guys, do you guys know what acai is? Oh, no, we don't know. I'm like, come on, man. So you don't try and BJJ them, you know. Hey. And then straight away, they want to buy, they want to try, you know. It's a... Uh, funny. What
3: exactly is acai and what does it do for you?
2: An acai, it's a a berry that only grows in Amazon and in Pará, Brazil, in the jungle. Uh, Doesn't grow anywhere else in the world, you know. It's a Brazilian uh, super berry. So the Grace family made it popular.
4: Jimmy, when I was in Brazil uh, training at Paja Tajuca in 1998, my buddy, little Paulinho, he brought me to this place behind his. The yes. And it, oh, delicious. Oh yeah. The, the, the um, the yes. Yes. In, in Rio. And it was delicious, man. I go, what is this? Like, it's like an ice cream. They go, no, it's, it's a berry. It's good for you. So I was ahead of the curve. I tried that. I go home and tell people about it. It was nowhere in the States. Now you go to Bengal bowl, you can get an acai, but Jimmy calls it a thai. I tell him, Jimmy,
2: I did at one point. Yes. There's acai now in in China and Abu Dhabi, Dubai, but you know um, they don't know how to do it properly. You know, right now there is like an uh, um, industrial acai. It's full of uh, sugars, you know, emulsifiers. It's not like we do in Brazil. You know, we get the pulp and you just blend it with uh, guaraná syrup and fruit. You know. That's kind of
3: how you're supposed to have it, right? Because I see it, a lot of places in New York do have it, and it's like an acai bowl, and it's, like it's got all this other stuff in it, but it just seems like you're almost eating a dessert.
2: Yes, man, I, I had acai, you know, In I, I was in New York, I was in an airport, and I tried, I'm like, what the hell, man? It doesn't taste like acai, it tastes like glue, you know? Like People, they don't don't realize how how, how beneficial it is, you know, and how good and how tasteful acai is, and... Uh, It's a shame, you know? So I'm I'm trying to do, like, the artisanal way, you know, handmade acai. I don't put any emulsifiers, you know, and and any, like, conservatives or sugars. So I'm keeping the Brazilian way. Where could we get your acai? If I wanted your acai, where do I get it? I want to know. Just go on my Instagram page, Acai Earth, you know? Just go on Acai Earth on Instagram and just make... um, just make an order, you know?
4: Asai Earth on Instagram. All right. Listen, we're going to get back. I hope that takes off for you because that sounds like something excellent when we're done fighting also, something to, you know, retire on. But you're not done yet. When are you coming back?
2: We miss watching you fight. When are you coming back? Well, right now I'm just dealing with some knee injury, you know? And uh, man, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm trying to fight in December. Okay. And I'm just, I just hurt out my knee injury first, you know, but I'm ready to go. I'm training boxing every day, you know, because I cannot just stay home without doing anything. And London, you know, we don't have summer, so we gotta be training. You gotta do something, you gotta be active. Otherwise, you go crazy here. Oh,
3: you're in London now?
2: Yes, I'm in London. Now, let
3: me
4: ask you now, Claudio, you started off fantastic, man. Uh winning all five of your first fights in the UFC. And now we're coming off back-to-back losses. So I've been there before. I know what it's like to lose a couple in a row. Are you like chomping at the bit to get back in there and say, look, man, I gotta get the monkey off my back. I'm better than this. You lost a great guy, really good guys, obviously. Yeah. But how are
2: we feeling right now about wanting
4: to get back in there?
2: Man, all the best fighters they lost, you know, once in their life, and uh to be honest, like it's a weird feeling. Uh, I was feeling very bad after my last last fight. You know, I train a lot, uh, all my fight, man. I give a lot, I, I, I give all my heart, you know, all my soul and blood in the training. I don't believe in just about I want to win. I truly believe that uh before you want to win a fight, you must want to prepare, you know. At the maximum because everybody wants to eat but nobody wants to sacrifice nobody wants to train hard nobody wants to be in the every, most of people that i know they want to be in the comfort zone you know they don't want to get out of their comfort zone they don't want to train when they're feeling tired when they're they're like when you go to the gym and you just get beaten up you know so bro like you know it was a horrible feeling because i train a lot you know I've I've been training, I've been, that's the only thing I do, you know, when I have a camp, I don't, I don't care. I don't give a fuck what's happening in the world, you know. Uh, I tell my family, listen, man, if you guys want to talk to me, just talk about uh, productive things, you know. Don't come with any negative subjects because I'm not going to talk to you guys. And if I have to block you guys, I will do it. And uh, that's my mentality when it comes to prepare for a fight, you know. And, uh, man, shit happens, you know, man. I'm not going to take I'm – a, I'm a kind of guy that always takes responsibility, you know. I'm not going to say, ah, that was my coach' fault. That was uh, – I, I didn't drink water enough, you know. I did my best. I trained a, a lot, you know. But my opponent, he just beat me up, you know. So what can I do? What was his night? I'm not going to take nothing away from him. And, uh, man, I'm just, you know, like get my my head back. And I just don't want to jump straight away in a fight, you know. I want to stay with my family, you know, uh, recharge my batteries, stay with my dog, my wife, you know. And when I'm feeling ready to go, you know, I'm just fighting back. I'm, I'm, I'm asked for a new fight, you know. But it was, you know, man, like I had a long time uh, when I was, uh, I had like a surgery and I had four years off. And uh, I came back and I won my fights. Uh, I was to be everyone, you know. And uh, right now I have just the uh, two losses in a row, man. Sucks, you know, but it's part of the game. So I just have to take my loss as a man and just come back mentally strong, you know. It's, it, I, think, I think when you go through losses, you know, it's, uh, it builds your character, you know it does
4: it really does uh let me ask you Claudio your first just to get to know you a little bit better it's your first time on here your first even though you're a black belt in jujitsu, your first discipline
2: was karate correct yes when I was kid I started with karate you know and uh then I went I went to training capoeira and man once I I saw like Carson Grace magazine I saw like a Carson Grace team you know picture in a magazine And straight away, I want to train, you know, I saw like all these guys, you know, Liborio, Murilo Bustamante, Carlão, Victor Belfort. I was like, oh man, I want to be like these guys, you know, look how strong they are. They compete, they fight around the world. That's what I want. And then I start training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's how it always starts, you know. And I was from a small city. We don't have any, we didn't have any uh, traditional martial arts, you know, no big names in the city. And when I was training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I remember I used to go to Rio to compete and everybody think, this guy is crazy, man. You know, when I was telling them about Pride and UFC, everybody was like, man, our city is so small, you're never going to make it. I'm like, man, shut the fuck up, you're a loser. You know, I'm going to make it. And I'm here right now.
4: I like that. Of course, yes, yes. We applaud you. And I like that you, you don't listen to any negativity. You seem very positive whether it's people coming at you negative during a camp or that like you're saying, you're from a small town, you'll never make it. Look
2: at you. You stay positive. Look where you are now. Yeah. It's all about the mindset. You know, since I was kid, man, I was the, the kind of kid that was like, oh, man, why well, I have to do it? You know, like, it's not benefit for me. I'm not going to do it. Fuck it. You no. Know? Since I was a kid, I have this mentality. You no, know? I'm going to do whatever I like in my life. I'm, I don't want to just be trapped in a uh, horrible job, you know, from seven to five and don't live the life. You no, know, I was that kind of kid that was asking myself, man, this is really the life, you know, like go to the school, get a job, you know, be an employer, have a family and then die. I'm like, no way, man. I want to see the world, you know, I want to learn English. Uh, well, I still didn't learn any English, but, you know, I'm trying <laughs> doing great man that, that, that's what i the life is about you know just not just like follow the system but you gotta enjoy yourself you gotta do things that you you love you know to be honest i think like if you never try you're never gonna know and it's, it's the worst worse than death is to live like a long life and and ask yourself ah oh, if i try if i do this if i'm you know so that's why I, I, I'm I never scared. I'm never, I, I'm never feared to fail in any way. If I want to make a business, I will do it. I don't care, you know, if I fail or not. If I fail, so when I'm coming back, I will have experience, you know. So yes, man, that's, that's my, my think of life, you know.
3: And you went down to Brazil. Uh, what was it like during the pandemic spending time? You went back for a little while. How long were you back for?
2: Well, I was there quite well, a long a long time. You know, I went to be for one month. I was in, I was there. So then the, the British government, he canceled all the flights back. So my wife told me, listen, we cannot go back because we have to pay 2,000 pounds and quarantine for two weeks. I'm like, I'm not coming back. I didn't, I didn't cancel my flight. So I was in Brazil and uh, man, Brazil was really tough at that time. You know, I saw so many family kids. Uh, Man, you know, grow grow, adults, you know, getting food from, from the bin. So, man, I, I couldn't see that, you know, I couldn't accept that. I say, oh, man, you know, I have to do something I need to use. I mean, the biggest MMA show in the world, I got to use this platform to make some change. And I start, you know, right on my Instagram, I don't even have much followers, but, you know, I have the best followers because most of my followers, they they donate, you know, I make like some text, some texts. And uh, everybody got involved, so I was able to buy more than 400 uh, food baskets for poor people to help poor people in need, you know, in slums. And it was a very productive time in Brazil, man. It was a great time.
3: Yeah, and you talked about, Matt, I know, touched on too, the the negativity, which is really if, if something gets in your head, do you have the kind of mind where it's kind of hard for you to shake it out? Like if somebody brings you something negative while you're training, is it hard for you to let it go? Do you just kind of let it circle in your head a little bit, or are you easy to get rid of it?
2: Man, I'm thinking, you know in a way to to overcome that negativity. You know, I'm not gonna be the guy that will allow these invisible monsters you know to to take to take away my confidence. Confidence, you know, it's, it's like you know, I, I don't. To be honest, when somebody come with negative stuff for me, man, I just I make sure I keep them away from my life, you know. To be honest, I don't have that, a lot of people that bring negative things to me because the negative people, I cut them from my life, you know. So yes, I'm a quite, uh, you know, quite easy. It's, it's like BJJ, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, man. You have to go for the submission and you have to solve the problem. That's what I do with negativity, you know. I'm just live day by day. Sometimes I think, okay, today wasn't a great day, but today, uh, tomorrow... I have a better, the best day of my life. That is like jujitsu, though. That is like jujitsu. There was times
4: when somebody would like pass my guard in front of Henzo, and I'd be on the train going home, like oh sucker. And then the <laughs> next day I go back there and I do good and I get a fucking Kimura, and Henzo sees me, you oh. know. So it it is like jujitsu. You have to just keep going forward, you know. Hey, you know what's not negative? This thing right here. That's your dog.
2: Yes, he's That's right your
4: here. your dog, Yoda. I'm on your Instagram. Yoda. There he is. <laughs> What's the name of the dog?
2: Yoda. Yoda. Yoda.
4: That's nice. Yeah. I love it. Do you like Star Wars, or you just figure you name him Yoda?
2: Well, I used to watch, you know, but uh Yoda was the was the idea of my wife. We, I just we bought a dog, you know. And she just gave her the name straight away for him. You know, I think it's a cool name, man. Not just because it's the name of a Jedi, but it's hey, it looks like a Yoda. <laughs> yeah, he does, man.
3: Now, what is uh, Claudia? Before I let let you go, what is uh the name of your website, or or so people can go and look at your uh acai, Where Where can they go see it?
2: I don't have a website. I, I don't have a, a website right now. You know, I have Instagram. I just use my Instagram to people. If anybody want to make some order, just go on Instagram, Acai Earth, and just, you know, place the order. So simple as that. Acai Earth. Yeah, it's, it's uh, also, you're, you're...
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal
4: Personal Instagram is Claudio Claudio Hannibal UFC. That's your personal. Yep, that's my one. And the other one is Earth uh, Asai Earth. Asai Earth. Yes. Amen. Hey Claudio, really nice getting to know you, man. When you get a fight booked, come on back, come back on. We'll promote it. Definitely,
2: man. It's going to be a pleasure.
3: now Michael we have to ask you because before we, uh obviously you you were in a really uh an incredible uh Heath Ledger performance uh for the uh for the dark knight did you guys interact at all off camera or was he the type of guy who would only talk to you during a scene no
5: man that dude was so freaking cool it it's it, it doesn't make any sense like i was i was almost on asshole mode because I'm like leaving people alone. You know, it's Heath Ledger. I'm gonna leave him alone, right? He's the, you know, he's leading this movie. So you know, I'm like to myself, and he's like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" Blah 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 blah. and it's like, okay, cool. But you know, he was so down to earth, man. Like I was a, I'm kind of a, you know, I was kind of a closet, closet um, magician. Like, like whenever I I'd work, work, I, I go to whatever magic store there was. And I and I come back home and entertain entertain my kids with like right. something new. Right. We go to dinner and and I'm like, you know, making shit disappear. You know, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. like he was doing the same things. And we we just kind of found a bond where we were, you know, constantly doing these kind of things, having fun with that stuff. And he was just so down to earth, like like zero ego whatsoever, man. Just just really cool. That's why it hurts me that people think he was one of those like uh, what do you call it, um, method actors who got caught up in the, in the thing, because he, he wasn't like that at all. In fact, he was just having fun, man. He, he was a, and plus he passed away on the other, the next movie, it wasn't that. But like, he, he, this, this guy's asking, like myself and other, like even day players, hey, how'd you think that was? Like after a take, he would modulate his voice sometimes. And one time, cause you know, he's right up in my face, Doing that, you know, you know, um, why so serious thing, and he would play with different voice, you know, uh, places. And there's this one where he sounded a lot like Tom Waits to me. That was real creepy, and I was like, "Yo, that shit makes me look at you like, what planet are you from?" He said, like, "You think so? Yeah." And I swear, it seemed like that's the one he was gravitating. Oh wow, to. Chicago
4: yeah. type accent, like that shit, Chico- like that.
5: it's just kind of that kind of gravelly you know tom waits i'm i'm probably a little older than you but 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 like you don't look older you're you're ageless
4: dude i i i don't listen not to get off the subject i loved you in spawn i heard they're doing it over uh with jamie fox jamie fox and i think you should still play that you were great in spawn man i I,
5: I wouldn't mind i i they uh tom mcfarlane has been talking about doing another spawn for 23 years man like yeah.
4: when did Spawn come out uh Michael 97 it was 97 yep, 97 I'll tell you yourself John like help me with his last Leguizamo. name Leguizamo. <laughs> Jimmy you son of a son he wanted to be he was great as the clown oh yeah yeah movies like I like, got like one of those cult classic movies yeah I'm sure you still get a lot of love for that
5: movie don't you yeah, yeah, I, I do. You know, it, it's um, I mean, I, I'm 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 grateful to have have played that. I mean, if, I, if it came up again, of course I'd do it out of just out of the sheer respect. Um, you know, it it started a lot of the uh, you know special effects stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so you know, it, I I think it could be it could have been a lot better. I would love to have done the movie like the comic book, like wow. really hard. You know, really like dark. Yeah, you know, so. You know, if, there, if that there's a chance of that, that happening again, I think it should be like the comic book and, yeah. and the uh, animated series.
3: Now, your magic. Do you do sleight-of-hand stuff? Um, yeah. Because it's really good magic. I mean, a pen and have you seen Penn & Teller Live? Because they, They're interesting because they kind of deconstruct it and still fool people.
5: Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I've loved all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I do sleight-of-hand. Sometimes a lot of things are a little set-up that, you know... Uh, and in, 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 in my kids think I, I can just do something on a whim. I always kind of have to set it up. And then, you know, once you get a little bit better, you kind of have your own style, you know? Right. So, yeah, yeah.
3: Are you a good shuffler? Can you do like one-handed shuffle? Like I have my hand-eye coordination stinks. I can't do any of it. But I'm fascinated by anyone who can do any kind of magic because I have zero ability to do it.
5: Oh, no, you can You can You You, you can even make your awkwardness part of it, which would be brilliant. You know what I'm saying?
3: Maybe as a distraction. Maybe yes, there exactly. is amazing distractions. And uh, the the you can you shuffle with one hand or no, Or do you don't do cards?
5: Oh no, I, I I can do some cards. Yeah, yeah. And you and you know we you know strange enough, ma- um, doing magic helps me with like, I you know I direct movies now. Um, so you know the idea of how you hit somebody, you set the mind up for a, you know kind of you're misguiding, you know, or all that type of stuff. If you understand how magic works on the mind, you can really affect people on film. You know what I mean? You can it's kind of like a sleight of hand but in a film way. So there's a lot of lot of a um, lot of stuff I, I draw from Listen, I could talk this David Copperfield stuff all day
4: long. You're a martial artist first. When, yes, when sir. Did you start with what did you start with with
5: the martial arts? Because I, I, I kind of started with jujitsu first. You know, and the Jap- you know the traditional Japanese yeah. jiu-jitsu. And then you know I did Shotokan and I got really heavy into kyokushu. That was like that was like my main style for forever. I mean, way back in the day when uh, you know uh tiger showman i mean he was he was one of the kyokushin guys as well back in the day it's great to see him still like you know doing his thing but yeah i mean he was like somebody i looked up to growing up because he was he was doing kyokushin but he was adding his own flavor to it, you know very much like i was they produce good fighters the tiger Showman. oh yeah yeah because i mean too everything in life is is points to a balance right so you know you got the kyokushin over here you know how to hit hard you know you know how to deliver that 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 you know that strike with maximum effect but then then you gotta you know go to the other side and then learn finesse learn footwork learn boxing you know that kind of a thing and that's what you know it's great that the evolution of mixed martial arts just points to that that's like not only is it you're a better complete fighter but you're better i think human being because you got to humble yourself to other arts and and other styles and that's that's like a metaphor for humbling yourself to like everything else out there in the world. If I can be humble and, and accept like knowledge, you know, so yes. it only, it only benefits you. So yeah, I, you know, I, I, I kind of really dig how things have come along, you know, with the MMA. Yeah.
4: I mean, listen, Uriah Hall came from, yeah. uh, I guess Shulman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shane, Shane worked out with
5: me right here. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's worked out with me right, right here. I got like bags on the side over here and, uh, where do you live? I I live in um in uh Sherman Oaks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and there was a te- technique we were working on. I was I was working on this thing where, you know, I have I have a lot of, I've created a lot of little, you know, sneaky techniques and you know, I've been, I've been like I always call myself the luckiest martial artist in the world because, you know, the, I, I I trained with like I, when I was 17, I was sparring with Bill Wallace, man, like and Joe Lewis and the, that was those were my instructors. So I learned a lot of different things. And so there was one thing that I taught Uriah on how to kind of hide a, a spin kick um, and to, to kind of load your hips up first, with, but, but not turn your shoulder. Cause if you turn your shoulder, then you know what's coming, but to be able to turn your hips without your shoulder. And then the, the kick just comes bam, the, you know? It, and so we worked on that and worked on it, and worked on it right on the side. And then, I remember he was fighting Musashi, Gegard Musashi. And I was I was off somewhere. I think it was in Florida, some kind of thing, but I, I went to a, a, a sports bar and caught the fight and saw him like, ah, that, that looks a lot like what we were working on. I you know, but I didn't say anything, but you know, so I'm the only guy, you know, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I, would, I I might have had something to do with that. And then then uh and then and then Ryan goes on YouTube and and you know and thanks me and he starts talking about yeah, this is what Mike taught me. I was like, oh, shoot. I guess guess I wasn't wrong. But, I mean, that 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 makes me feel really good. oh that's great, man. Yeah. And when did you
4: start doing um,
5: Brazilian jiu-jitsu?
4: When did you mess around with that?
5: Oh, yeah, man. I've been, you know, with Eddie Bravo. And, uh, man, we, you know, I used to, I'm, I'm a gym rat. I love training. Like, it's like uh, at Legends, when Legends first came about, like, one of my best friends in the world is um, Frankie Lyles, a super middleweight you know, WBA super middleweight champion of the world. And so, you know, for my boxing, I've trained with him for all his camps, all his people, you know, Tommy Hearns, all those guys, you know, going down this train of cronk and whenever we get down to uh, the fight camp or whatever, I'm, you know, fixture there training. I just, I just love the stuff, man. So, uh, you know, that's, I got my, my boxing family, that, that world. Yeah. 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 So,
3: well, you, you know, played Tyson. You played Tyson at what ninety-five?
5: That was great. Yeah, 90, yeah, ninety. We shot it in ninety-four. I think it came out in ninety-five, probably. And did,
3: was he happy with the portrayal?
5: Yeah, he actually was. He actually was. Um, it, it, you know, we uh, we spoke while he was incarcerated, um, and it got it, it's kind of a heated discussion. And I thought it was going to be like, I thought we were going to uh, it's going to go. I didn't know how it was going to go when he got out, yeah. right? But you know he was cool and he he said he really liked the the performance and he actually did a um a Vlad interview not that long ago and he and he he, he said he wasn't crazy about the movie but he liked what you know how it performed uh, how I portrayed him which I'm like well great you know my, my thing is I'm gonna do the best I can and, and uh, I'm glad he liked it and I'm glad he saw truth in my performance
3: was the heated discussion about the film and what he didn't like the film
5: no the heated discussion was about something that um uh, I was I was pressing him to answer a certain question
3: oh, okay. that he wasn't
5: comfortable about, and you know, and you know, and it was kind of it got it to a point where it was like, I don't know, you know, he might be used to people who are, don't stand up, you know, whatever. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't care about that stuff, and so you know, it, it, it's kind of you know, it's a warrior thing, uh, it's a mano a mano thing. It's like, okay, if you got a problem with that, we can talk. About it. You know, hey,
4: Michael, you knew you were going to play him, right? When you were arguing on the phone, so mm-hmm. I can't do I can't do a Mike Tyson impersonation. So he was <laughs> going like, "Man, motherfucker," will you go? Will you go back at him like, "Yeah, in the same voice, man."
5: I'm trying to get it down. I would have used that. I would have been trying to yeah. get it down. Yeah, no, but, but you know, but it's it's, it's crazy because like, I think I think he was concerned about like, there's a lot of things that that we're privy to that I was privy to that he didn't want coming out. Right. So I think that was part of uh, the, the, the issues. But um, my thing was, man, I, I was going to end up, I was going to play this role. And so I, on my own dime, I went to Caskill's man. I, I, I showed up on the doorstep of where he grew up and I, I pleaded with the people that he was in, you know, in there with, like, look, you know, I, I'm all about the truth. You know, I got to do this role no matter what. I'm only t- hearing one side. Please give me your side. You know, I, I sat with, with uh, Kevin Rooney and I saw what Kevin Rooney's story is, which a lot of people didn't know what it was. That's kind of a tragic story right there. You know, there was, people didn't know because, you know, they, they, there's a narrative that, you know, once Mike left Kevin Rooney and all that type of stuff, everything went down. Uh, Mike was helping Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney, like, was actually apologetic and told me to apologize to Mike for him. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. If you look back, you know, it, it, There's Kevin Rooney made some missteps.
3: It's funny. I, you're right. I always thought that 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 when when I, uh, he left Rooney and then went to Don King and went down, I didn't realize that he was still helping Kevin Rooney.
5: Oh man, like, I mean, you. If you think about it, when um when Mike Tyson. Uh, was going with the Robin, you know, all that Robin stuff, he didn't want to do any interviews. If you think back, you re- you recall that Kevin Rooney did the interview in place of Mike Tyson?
3: I don't remember it. I don't remember it.
5: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's like something that you shouldn't do. He, he didn't want, you know, to talk about stuff, and then Kevin Rooney did. And, and that's one of the things that Kevin was really, you know, really sad about. But when we were doing this movie in 94, um, Kevin Rooney was not in a good spot. I mean, he, had, he made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of issues that, that got him where he was, renting a little place in Catskill that might have cost about $300 a month. So there's a story behind that when on the Sphinx fight alone, him being, you know, the, uh, his manager making 10% of that purse, which was $20 million. You know what I'm saying? So you, if you start unpacking that story, you kind of see a little bit of a, you know, the narrative is a little different. Um, Yeah. So it's a, it's a, you know, Mike's, you know, he was in a, in a rough place. Um, You know, to me, I always thought of this guy was a a dude that was always in search of a a father figure. That was in my, in my assessment and how I played it because I always, I always looked at Mike as like an amazing mimic of, um, of the people that mentored him, if you think about it, like when he was young, he spoke like a an, Ital- an old Italian guy. You know, he was speaking like Customato. He was dressing like Customato. What what black young black man wore suspenders and in, in, in those cabbie hats, right? He talked in those old sayings, those preambles, and all that those those things, right? And then when he was around Kevin Rooney after Cuss died, his speech pattern became like Kevin Rooney, right? He go he, then, you know, he's around um, uh, uh, Jim Jacobs, and who's married, and then Mike gets married. Then he goes to with Don King. Now the N word is every every other word out of Mike's mouth, and now he's political like Don King. Goes to prison, comes out Muslim because that's the prevailing, you know, thing from from prison, right? You know what I'm saying? And he comes out with two father figures on each shoulder, Mao Zedong and, and Arthur Ashe. So this is a guy to me has always looked for, I mean, he's always had that father figure thing that was, uh, that was missing. And I, and I always thought for him, you know, he's somebody who kind of needed that somebody strong in his life, you know, but, but of course that's, just been my assessment. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, You know, it was a it was a it was a great opportunity to play something like that, because, you know, the thing is, you're playing you're playing human nature, you know. And but that dude, uh, we had a lot of similarities because, you know, I was fighting when I was young. I was beating up grown men when I was 15. And that does something to you, you know.
3: Now, this is were you fighting like in in a structured form or do you mean like uh, in the street or just it was these were in set up fights?
5: No, everywhere. In streets. Um, of course, Kyokushin. like they, you fight pretty much full contact. Um, I did, you know, I would fight against K1. I, I, I just love to fight. That was just like my, my favorite thing in the world to do. Um, I, I, you know, still to this day, I mean, I just really enjoy it and, and the science of it. Um, I did so with, that was part of a pathology when I was young. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it but it was, became a love of the science of it uh, as I got older. And, and, um, you know, it, it, and I, and i came into who I was and I, you know, the demons were dealt with and all that type of stuff.
3: What do you think it is too? like, because you, you, I love Mike Tyson and, and I think most people love Tyson. What is it about Mike that fascinates people so much? Like, cause you Lennox Lewis is a great fighter. Larry Holmes, one of the best heavyweights, uh, probably the most underrated heavyweight ever, and 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 but people don't have that love for these guys, or even Holyfield that they have for Tyson. What is this fascination or this like love people have for Mike Tyson? Okay,
5: Here, here's my theory: is this the media did a wonderful job at creating who we feel he was? Okay, um, I happened to be, being that I had to play him. I had to study every ounce of material on him. I, back in the day, you know, I had videotapes. It, it had the date of airings of everything. It was very specific, you know? So I memorized everything. Because that was all, because, hey, I had HBO behind me, right? So they're going to give me exactly everything, all their footage, and the days and dates and everything else. So now what what's interesting is that the media painted him to be uh, the American dream. The... Kid from the wrong side of the tracks, who these kindly white folks brought into prominence. That was the narrative. Okay. Here's the guy, he's got, you know, this soft voice that he's talking, he's he's this innocent, which is partly true, of course. He's super emotional, but, you know, a lot of times with that emotion comes great violence as well. But nobody knew anything about the violent Mike Tyson because that wasn't shown to anyone. That was carefully constructed to be this super, you know, like innocent kid, you know, that got rehabilitated and turned into a champion. Now, here's what's, you know, think about this: how, how interesting this is. Remember when Robin Gibbons said, Mike is a manic depressive. I'm in hell, all that type of stuff. Everybody wanted to strangle her. Because nothing that existed in the media showed any of that, right? So she seemed like a total bitch to everyone. But now, fast forward. When he gets around, uh, when he's now with with Don King, and now there's the rape allegation and all that type of stuff. For that year, all of the footage that they edited out start getting played for everyone. Everybody. Now you see you know, nose, the nose bone in the, in the brain and you know, I, you know I'll, I'll eat your children. I'll fuck you till you love me. All of that stuff started airing. It wasn't there before. You know, you know I like to fornicate with them. I like to, all that type of stuff that was not there. Believe me, I was assigned to this job, right? And if I saw that stuff, I would have had to play that stuff. But I was
4: at a press conference with the I'll uh, F you till you love me. Jimmy says that a lot to me, and I get
3: offended. <laughs> I know. Because I finish I finish before he even likes me. <laughs> I'm very quick. But, but yeah, so, that was at so,
5: a press conference. Yeah. Just so so just to answer that question, right? I believe so. First impressions, it sticks with you. Like, here's a guy we root for. He represents us. Because you never saw any of that that dark stuff early on. If you did, you wouldn't paint him as innocent. You wouldn't say, Robin, you're out of your mind. But now, later, if Rob, you know, and what we know, if she said that, we, we were like, hey, who are you telling? We all know this. You know what I'm saying? So I think... It's a masterful thing that the narrative that the media painted early on. And that is the person that we feel that we knew, this innocent guy who represents our innocence. And so therefore, we're always gonna like hold him up to the highest regard because that's how he came into our lives. He was the he was the American dream. Um but it, it wouldn't have worked if the media let you know the rest records and everything else early on.
3: You know, it's funny too. Cause I've interviewed Mike a, a, a good amount of times and I've, I've spent time talking to him and I think my favorite thing about him is that he talks about his flaws. And again, I met him years after, mm-hmm. but I love how he breaks down the things that are wrong with him, and, and his addiction and his, uh, like all the things that make him volatile when he talks about that. I love how he. Absolutely. How he, yeah. He's really open about that stuff. Um, and I think that's my favorite thing about him is the fact that he describes certain things in addiction. Like, he's a much smarter guy than they ever gave him credit for being. Right. And he's really insightful, like, to human psyche and the way why people become broken. And he's really an interesting guy.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's, it's like any, anybody who's that, you know, self-effacing and open about who they are and, and truthful, especially in, in this day and age when, you know, there's so much, you know, untruth. Uh, you, you you know you welcome that with open arms and, and and that's so he continues to be a hero for us now anybody who you know who's struggling with these things and they put themselves on the on the front lines that's heroic so Mike has absolutely become that you know but you know like i like we was saying is that the um there, that's a reason why he stays close to our hearts now I think that for anybody who who dares, be that that transparent w- with who they are, and you know we we've glimpsed this guy. He's one of the most famous people on the planet, you know, and we've had a, a insight to his life early on. So he's connected to us all.
4: Hey, Michael, you still watch the UFC or MMA? Are
5: you kidding me? I'm a I'm I'm a nerd with it. Oh, that's great. Well, I am. I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be hosting a party here, like on the 25th. Is it a watch party? Yeah, watch party.
4: I'll be you'll be watching I believe Marab fighting Marlon Marais. Oh,
5: uh, Marais is fighting. He's fighting okay. Marab. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the headliner is that is that that's Bokanovsky. Uh, yeah,
4: I'll be corner I'll be cornering Marab at that at that fight.
5: Okay, cool, cool. So you will see me in the corner of a little Georgian
4: machine. Oh yeah, I do. Listen, I I outweigh him by at least fifty something pounds, dude. Five minutes with him is like a versaclimber session, man. He don't really. Stay-
5: Oh, I'll be oh, mounting. Yeah, I'll be betting all that. Oh, dude, slow down, Murab. I saw the fight. Um, I saw the fight. Uh, um, Saturday, uh, and I heard your your voiceover. Oh, for the Aljo commercial. Yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah. Maybe I could you be a villain
4: in the now. next. I could be maybe a, a, a friend of yours or a villain in the next Black Dynamite. I could be a voiceover. <laughs> that would be cool. No, nah, man, I'd have you in the movie, not just a voiceover, man. Michael, hey, we're gonna talk. <laughs> I. I'm not forgetting any more jobs now that I'm retired from fighting. And if you're ever in Long Island, New York, I want you to please come visit
5: me. Oh, I would love be- that, man. I would, I would love that.
4: You show me some kicks and maybe I can help you with a Kimura or whatever. But um, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm not, I, I have my gig here with Jimmy. I do Dana White looking for a fight. But if I can get right. another the only other job I could possibly want to do is that voiceover work. I did that, that commercial. yeah, Dude, I'm, I'm like, that's all you need? I'm like, yeah. oh, really? I go, hey,
5: I'm hey, getting you, easiest money. It's fucking great, man. man. You know, you got the personality, dude, man. That don't come around very often. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. It, 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 oh, and Jim, uh, I was, you know, I was watching the fight. Well, the 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 debacle last night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know, uh, Russell Peters says, hey. Oh,
3: you saw? I I love Russell. People yeah. I, Boy, I feel bad for anybody who fucks with Russell Peters. He used to spar with Lennox Lewis. Uh Russell Peters is a, is a great guy and he's a huge uh, huge MMA fan and yeah. any uh trains. So yeah, I I love Russell. I'm happy to hear that he's uh he's well.
5: He said to say hey, yeah, he, he just got in town and, and I'm I'm actually going to see him later today cuz I i a movie I directed. Uh I'm doing his ADR later today. Um I a movie I directed uh, The Western and I got a lot of your 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 compadres in there. Uh, Randy Couture is in it, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, and, and Josh Barnett's in the movie as well, all playing cowboys. How many of those
4: cowboys have that... Are they going to put fake ears on Randy? Or oh, What is that? I guess he's been wrestling in the fucking herd. Somebody's been grounded, bringing the bulls in with his fucking ears.
5: Well, you know hey, what? Hey, Lone Ranger! What the fuck's on your head? <laughs> the the ten-gallon hat ties that real well. Oh. <laughs> he, he and he, I gave him a big-ass handlebar mustache. You almost don't recognize him, but I mean, he looks good as a cowboy. He, he's he's, the, uh, he's a bounty hunter and, uh, that's out to get my character. What is this uh, now? What is this movie called? And where Outlaw the- Johnny Black? It, it's it's a it's a follow-up to the, you know Black Dynamite, basically. But it's it's like if you imagine a Black Dynamite's great grandfather, <laughs> you know that is so cool. Is it like it's a western with him taking out like what is definitely like the premise of it? Oh man, it's it's like a it's, it's dude. I mean, I kid kid you not. It is a faith based blackportation urban uh, drama comedy western. <laughs> you know, it's man. got all of that in equal parts. I when, and when do you think this will be out? Uh, well, probably I'm thinking the top of the year. Next week, or do we know where it'd be going? Or uh, I think we're going to do a theatrical first. Um, we we got some big wigs in in the industry that really are, are down for it. There's a lot of cameos. I've got probably I don't know 30 major people that you know pops up. Like some people I'm keeping you know keeping secret. Sure. You know, but man, I've got like you know some great actors, great actors in. it. It's so funny that you brought, it's a Western. I mean,
4: I just now, sometimes I just, you know, I'm a movie guy. I was watching, I'm watching it now actually, is the uh, extended version of The Hateful Eight. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's good. They they do it. You know, it's a long movie. Yeah. They do it almost like a series. They almost do it like a, like they stop at certain points and then they start again, like a next episode. Right, right. I'll tell you, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since I seen it in the theaters.
5: Yeah. You know, you know, Quentin, I, I know Quentin for a while. Um, in fact, like one of those, you know big wigs I, I saw, well, it's a big movie seller. I saw the my, um, my rough cut and thought Quentin Tarantino had something to do with it. I was like, what? OK, you've seen the rough cut and think this is Quentin. I'm like, OK, well, great. That's Quentin, nice. Quentin and I have I think we have a lot of the same references that we grew up with. And, you know, and we're pulling from those things. So this is an homage to like 70s filmmaking, just like, you know, when I did Black Dynamite. It's an homage to that time period where I think it's just like some of the best movies ever. And so I'm taking pages out of like classic Westerns and and cool movies that I I dug. And so I love the Quentin Tarantino connection reference. I'm like, like, are you kidding me? Great. (laughs) Keep that up. So you know that 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 movie i'm i'm pretty happy with and uh you know it, you know and and you know my heart always goes out to the people you know, the fighters out there cuz there's part of me that feels like i could have gone that di- direction you know that, that 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 um it's just so it's this it's just a, such a part of me that um i don't know i mean that i still stay connected to it cuz you know one day i can't do it michael do you ever yeah. feel like
4: Because you're such a martial artist, you used to fight, you have your background with the karate, with the tournaments. Did you ever feel like, I just, I wish I could have fought in a cage just maybe
5: once. Is there anything like that you would have? Of course. Of course. I'm like that all the time. That's why (laughs) I can't, if I name you how many UFC champions I've trained with at their gyms, it, 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 it would astound you. I mean, from way back, from Maurice Smith to, you know, Rampage to, all these people, and my thing is it's it's a pure thing it's out of my love for it and my my love for like getting better and and i i i love getting like humbled and learn stuff right yes. it's, it's not about an ego thing as as well in fact i'm a little depressed if i wind up being the instructor in that situation um you know but it, it, it's it's like like um like you know i i celebrate like my the flaws more so like w- one of the most embarrassing sparring matches I've ever well, it's the most embarrassing sparring match I ever had was with Michael Bisping. <laughs> I call myself getting ready. To, I'm helping him get ready for George St Pierre. Right, we're up and I'm I'm training with him, and I mean I could barely get out of the first round. I'm so goddamn winded that I'm like, you know what? Just beat the shit out of me. This will teach me from to to. to you know, waste time and like, but since that time, I'm like, I've never been that out of shape cardiovascularly since then. So that taught me a lot, you know, because right from when I was, you know, sparring with Michael Bisney, I was gonna be meeting up with Gokan Saki, who was one of my one of my favorite like stand-up fighters, combination fighters, whatever. We we're we we're gonna meet up in um in Dubai and, and train. You know, you go to somebody's gym, it's, it's their rules. I mean, whether they go like 100% or not, it's like whatever. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a gentleman's agreement. So I got to be ready for whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so that just taught me, you know, right after the Michael bisming thing where I could barely last two rounds, I just basically like I, I you know, didn't take it for granted, man. I'm doing my my, my road work and everything else. So once I got to Dubai, I was, I was good, you know, but yeah, I, I, I love this stuff, man. So my, my thing is that part of me that wants to test or, you know, I've, I've quenched a lot of that because, you know, like I, I, like I say, I, I don't think I can get a better fight from somebody than in their home gym. And like, so like last year I'm sparring with John Jones in his house, you know what I mean? So it's like, and and that exchange, I, I love it so much. you know it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like the adrenaline rush where you have to react and you have to, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah, there's danger. I could lose a tooth, <laughs> but, but it would be worth it. It would still be worth it. It would be a people. great
3: story if John Jones knocked your tooth out.
5: Yeah, you know I, I, I'm willing and I, you know I'm willing for that to happen. I mean, I was just with Francis and Gano three three and a half weeks ago. And you know that's just like you know part of me is like you dumbass you know this guy's a fucking tree you know what I mean <laughs> and, you know what if it goes this direction it's like okay oh, oh oh well I had to start a movie the very next day but there was no way I was not going to get the uh, uh, I wasn't going to take take advantage of training with Francis Ngannou especially since like early, I mean early on we I, I met him and he's such a cool guy and I was like this guy's going to be UFC champion one day. You know and I told him that and and I'm so proud that it happened.
3: Can I tell you Michael too I like Ingannu very much. I'm a little concerned though like he's like you know the comparison I've used is Rocky 3. Like he's enjoying being champion. He's been going around doing appearances, um uh-huh. uh, do, doing and I'm like I hope he's training because I, I want to see him stay champion um for a while. I would love to see him fight Cyril Gane or of course uh, a rematch with Lewis or even a third fight with Stipe if it happens. But I, I'm glad to hear that he's at least doing something. I hope he's really training.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Francis is a very smart man, and, and he is a, a physical, like, specimen. He's smart. I mean, he moves really well for somebody his size. Uh, I, just, I just hope he gets ready for, for gone. I hope he out-gone-gone. Gone. If, if he does that, I mean, if he does, if he, you know fights at length and uses footwork at his size and strength, Gone will be gone. <laughs> what do you What do you think of Gone
3: too, though? We, Matt Matt picked Cyril to beat um, uh, Lewis, and, and I and I took Lewis. And uh, oh boy, yeah. What, what What do you think of 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 Ngannou against him? Because even though his footwork is so good, Ngannou when he beat Rosenstrike, he just kind of blitzkrieged him a little bit. He just kind of ran in, throwing a little bit wild, but caught him. And he's just he hits too hard. For anybody to take one of his shots?
5: Well, the first time I saw Gone, I said nobody's beating. That that's the first thing. That's I said. This guy, his technique, you know. Believe me, as a big guy with technique, I know. I know what that brings. Um, too often, big guys rely on their strength, and when you take a big guy and and get him to use footwork, that science, that that you know, just the kinesiology, everything, just the physics of it just magnified if you got a guy who's even less strong but he's in motion he's striking with his whole body and he's out in and out it's th- what you have then is basically you you got you got Muhammad Ali see you think about this Muhammad Ali people don't realize because of his style you don't realize is the biggest freaking guy in the ring who's bigger than Muhammad Ali right? Physically bigger than Muhammad Ali. He was four pounds lighter than George Foreman, right? When they fought. Four pounds. That was the weigh-in the day before. Who knows who was heavier the fight day, right? Uh, Muhammad Ali's legs are bigger than George Foreman. But psychologically, you think, oh, Foreman's this big guy. No. Foreman's, Foreman's fighting another tree. But And who's moving? I mean, that jab has body weight and movement it's like a joust behind it. So it's stronger than performance. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like if somebody like Engano or a big guy like Cyril is fighting on his toes, that's like, what the hell do you do? Like if, if Francis Engano moves around, he goes in and he's out, how do you catch that guy? <laughs> It'll be very hard if he used footwork. The problem is a lot of heavyweights are lazy and they don't they don't use the, the techniques. That, I mean, like, imagine if a big guy fought like Frankie Edgar. What, what, what would you be able to do with that if a guy's moving like that? A lot of you know guys, what I mean?
4: guys, they don't develop that. And they like Sierra Gunn. That's not normal for a guy his size to move like that. I it mean, should be.
5: It yeah, but should Trent be. Francis,
4: Francis might do that for a round and then just fucking
5: gas himself out. <laughs> I, yeah, right. But that, I, I I disagree. I, I This is one of those things that make me bang my head against the wall. I'm going, why the hell is it good for Mike Tyson or anyone else like, to, to move like that, to keep your head moving, go in and out, and actually do something called defense? Why is it good for everybody else but not good for heavyweights? Blows my freaking mind. So I, I'm, I'm always going, uh, if you can't hit me, you're in trouble. If you're... So Cyril Gaon is a guy going like you know like yeah this this concept works for lightweights, but it also works for heavyweights. Yeah, I I, I don't understand just because I'm a heavyweight I got to fight like
4: heavyweight. why? I I mean look Frankie yeager has got a little I mean he's got a little he's he's got a little spring in his step you know what I mean? These big guys that's a lot I mean not, I don't think they look obviously Cyril Gaon developed it so it could be it's it's and and different and listen different boxers like you said could be a little light and whatnot
5: well yeah but but it's like why, why? just because I, because I'm big I gotta act like I'm big no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you don't you don't I'm, I''m I'm living proof of that I mean there's a reason why I can get in the ring with anybody anybody I've, I've I spar with heavyweight boxers champions all that type of stuff I love it it's not just that I'm trying to embarrass anybody or anything else I love it I don't mind getting embarrassed but, I, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, you're touching on the thing you were talking about. Like, hey, you know, there's a part of me that goes, uh, you know, this sounds corny, but like, yo, Mike, man, you've been given a gift and you're not using it. Well, I'm using it in a, in a good way. You know, I do martial arts, I do films or whatever. But honest to God, the very best thing I can do in life is fight. That, my entire life, that's been the best thing I've ever been able to do. And so since that is my my biggest gift, I can't not do it, right? So that's why I've been, since I was 17, I've been sparring with Bill Wallace. He was an undefeated champion. Joe Lewis, Benny Urquidez, all these people, because I love it, right? So, and plus it's it's been a gift of mine. I don't care if people go, oh, he's an actor. He's not really, they're supposed to say that. They don't know any better. You know what I mean? But like, I'm a nerd with it, so I love to be in fight camps. And I mean, um, Eddie Bravo tried to get me up to um, to uh, uh, Ferguson's camp up in Big Bear. He, he actually Ferguson invited me to come up there, but I was working on something. But that I would love to be up in Big Bear, going over technique with Ferguson. It sounds ridiculous, but yeah, I could be a striking coach to anybody. Like, like when you think about it, like. I've been striking with with Tommy Hearns, Frankie Lyles, Freddie Roach. I've been instructing these like kicking. What about the best kicker in the world, Bill Wallace? What do you think over the 30 some odd years that I've known him, did I pick up something? Yeah, (laughs) so it does make sense. And to the layman, it don't make sense. They go, this guy's a fucking actor. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> whatever but i i can I, there's nobody if i'm in in condition there's nobody in stand-up that i can't hold my own with there's just nobody
4: michael uh how much do you weigh i, I want to do you,
5: you want uh, about you, uh, i'm usually uh right now i'm I'm dropping weight i'm about 225 now
4: 25 you think like Derek lewis who's probably got to cut to 265 you think you can get him on those toes of his, and woo, 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 woo. you think he'll be like—you <laughs> think he'll get moving a little bit, and he'll look like Superfoot foot Wallace. Or you oh, think
5: ah, maybe we'll stick to the fucking. Derek has. To, I, I, there's something that I've been seeing about, about Derek for so long—the fact that he's not needed, right? he's His knees go in. I was like, "Wow, nobody's exploiting that because he'd be trapped in leg kicks." And that's the first time Shirogan exploited that. Right, that that's a physical impairment that he now has. He needs to ch- he needs to shift it out because yeah. if it's already in that that moment to shift to be able to check a knee, it's two sa- it, it's two moments because he has to first get the knee out there. Right now, you chop down. Even if he tries to check, he has to move his leg further to be able to check that. So. Yeah. Um, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this because people could exploit it, but, no. but it, it's, it's a thing that I've always said, the guy's not me. How's he going to, how's he going to block a leg kick and Cyril GaN exploited that. So yeah, that's one thing he'd have to really, he'd have to really, uh, kind of hold his, 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 leg in a different unnatural position to avoid that. Cyril Ghosn
4: or uh or
5: francis i want francis to take a page out of cyril ghan's book francis can knock you out with a jab um i love francis i love his spirit i love that i think he's very focused but i would want to get francis on his toes and make sure that he can use that distance you know and so uh, so you know um, francis is um trainer you know dewey cooper has been a longtime friend of mine that's one of the reasons why i you know went to train with him and you know just exchange some stuff you know it's like it's hey if this don't work then throw it away you know, but if it does you know hey yeah use it by all means i i can't use it doing what i'm doing
4: <laughs> unless you have one of your you know uh what's your Cowboys' hero's name what's his name
5: uh, uh johnny black
4: johnny black does he does he have a background in karate or no well yeah, he he does some some early kung fu. <laughs> I look, listen I'm looking forward to Jimmy knows I'm a movie buff. I'm looking forward to this movie.
5: I think you're going to enjoy it, man. You, it's this just one of these movies that you'll be able to look at with your entire family. So I mean, it's it's something that I, I you know, I grew up on these movies where um you know, back in the 70s and some of the, there was a heyday of movies that that um Bill uh Bill Cosby, oh Bill Cosby, and um and Cindy Portie, Portier uh, would do that. There were these, to me, these, these classic movies. That, yeah, let's I do it again. That. Yes.
3: And, uh, absolutely Jim. Yeah.
5: Uh, Uptown Saturday night. Let's do it again. And, uh, and piece of the action. Those, those movies were just like, for me, I grew up with those kind of movies and I want to give this generation a movie, you know, movie like that. That's what I Love Johnny black is like.
3: And Portier directed, uh, stir crazy. Uh, with uh, mm-hmm. with Pryor and and Gene Wilder, yeah, a lot of people don't yeah, know. He, he
5: yeah, directed he's that directed film. a number of things. He he directed Buck and the Preacher. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, 48 po- is the man.
3: Yeah, I met him yeah. in a pharmacy. I, I he was a very nice guy. Of course, I took a picture with him, but I, I bothered him while he was in a pharmacy. The poor old guy, he's just trying to shop and buy something, and this yeah. little creep is taking a photo with him by the fucking by the uh, medication aisle.
5: Yeah, I I I did the same thing with uh, like where I messed up again. <laughs> you know, kind of like what I was talking about with, um, with, with the uh, Heath Ledger, um, and me and a long time ago, we were in a computer store and me and my, my girl, we were in there and Cindy party comes in and then we're like, Oh, my, instantly I'm like, let's, let's respect the man's space. And he's like, how are you guys doing? We're fine. So you're buying a computer? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and so he's, I'm like, wait a minute. We're like, I'm 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 trying to be like you know respectful of his at this time. He's trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah. and it's like I'm you know I'm like I'm 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 on asshole mode right now. It's like I look like, like like he's bothering me. Like no, the city park. I just kind of do the. I don't know. I am still like that. I still look at things from the same view. Like I was at a I was at some function, and I see Dr. J, you know Julius Irvin, and he's walking. Through the crowd, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" I'm, you know, let me get out of his way. And it seemed like no matter where I went, I was in his freaking way. And I'm like, "What the hell? And I got trapped." And he's going, "Hey, man, I'm a big fan." I'm like, "You can see me?"
3: Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> I'm thinking like, "No way does Doctor J know who I am." Like it was, it freaked me out. I'm like, "You're not supposed to be able to talk to me. I'm only supposed to see see you." Like I forget that. I don't remember I'm a, an actor. Almost every day of my life, I'm like because actors were never my heroes, so i'm like i don't think about it like that
3: that's very funny you say that too uh you can see me it really is that way when when it's somebody you admire and they recognize you you're like oh god i, try, I forget yeah i'm a visible person too <laughs> right. i've done something that you might have stumbled on um yeah. yeah well hopefully you meet poitier again uh and get a shot with him he's a you know really an interesting guy and, a, and a yeah act.
5: man it, i got so much respect for him it's like the the the, the uh Advice that he gave Denzel is the advice that Denzel gave me. You know what is that? Well, which is um, which is sometimes your career is defined more about the things that you refuse than the the roles that you choose. You know, he said it that way. My my way sounds kind of better now because it runs.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. But, with
5: that. But, but, but but it's like yeah, I took that to heart. Because, you know, because, um, yeah, it, it's like I've turned down a lot of roles that I think would, you know, would take me a direction that was not as organic.
3: Not something you I wish the career was defined by auditions that we've gone on that di- we didn't get because then I'd be in really <laughs> great shape if it was auditions. Yeah. I fucking bombed on. I'd be really a, a Hall of Fame actor. Hey, listen, <laughs> if, you, if you see Russell today, tell him I said hello. I said my, I said my yeah, love. I, my, I really enjoy Russell. I love him very much.
5: Yeah, we're, we're we're in the we're in the booth to, today. This afternoon, he uh, he oh, he plays a funny funny role in the movie. Yeah, yeah he, he's great. He, yeah, he he's 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 amazing. Me and Russell go way to hell back. In fact, that's how I met Lennox Lewis Through Russell, and uh, way way back in um in um in uh, Toronto, I remember I didn't like Lennox Lewis at first because like he like I was like this guy's not a fighter, I, you know. He was just like. And he talk about himself in the third person. You know, nobody could stand up to a Lennox Lewis right hand. I'm like, yeah, fuck this guy. You know, I was like, I was, I wasn't a. Fan. And and then I'm out with Russell. This is a long time ago, man. Um, twenty-some odd years ago, we're in Toronto. We're playing pool. Here comes Lennox Lewis, who's a friend of Russell's, and I was like giving a cold shoulder. I was like, I don't like this dude, right? So, and then um, Lennox Lewis couldn't have been this. <laughs> couldn't have been a nicer human being that's a That dude is like so fucking nice. he, he was like one of the nicest like talk about somebody with no ego. I mean, he's totally not the person I thought he was. I mean, we were all hanging outside and he's like, you know, he's admiring cars that are going by and he's like, "Oh man, I like that like and I'm going, "Dude, I, I I'm pretty sure you can like buy that car." That car right there, if you stop him before <laughs> yeah. we, the the, her, the light turns green, you could probably buy. Like, and he's like, hey, guys, you want to know You know, he invites us. He says, what are you guys doing tomorrow? You know, my mom could cook and we, you know, you eat over my place. And I think uh, one of my buddies, our buddy, buddy Drew, a friend of me and Russell's, it's like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah, definitely. You know, of course, I'm thinking he's just being nice. Run into the guy two days later. He's like, what happened to you guys, man? My mom cooked and I've got all this food there. And it's like, and we're like, you were serious? Like, yeah, like, you know, come get some food. Like, Lennox Lewis had no idea he was Linux Lewis. Right. One of the nicest guys. And he wouldn't, he would never talk about the Linux Lewis right hand and, or oh, I'm this. No, I think that was a persona he did to fight or whatever. But man, what a nice guy, man. So, I'm, I, you know, my judgment was, uh, Terrible. Well, Michael, look,
3: uh, you're you're a fascinating guy, man. We'd love. Why don't you come back on when your film is getting ready to come out or whatever? We'd love to have you again. What a fun hang this was.
5: No, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love that. I, I, um, I, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, you know invite you guys. You know, well, you you're 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 like East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, Coast I'm from New York. Yeah. New York. East, well, East. you know, I'm I'm back and forth. I don't know if you know, but I started a studio in Connecticut. In what, uh, Connecticut. I didn't yeah, it started in you know in New Haven in Shelton, Connecticut. It's been running. Actually, a Netflix movie just shot in my studio. But I'm 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 back like in two days. I'm back and forth, so I'm going to be kind of bi-coastal for a while. So I started a, a studio, and we're going to be I'm going to be shooting movies there. Second, you said studio. I go oh, a martial art studio.
4: I'm such a moron. <laughs> but I was I didn't. I'm like oh, you're really so into it still. Uh, yeah. That's so great, man. Well, listen, if you ever want to get some working and you're ever in Long Island, dude, you man, I'd love to pick your gra- your brain, standing up and
1: yeah.
5: mm-hmm. do
4: anything on the floor. It'd be my honor, buddy.
5: Oh man, I love that. I love that, man. L- last time I saw you, it was in uh, 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 Atlantic City, one of those one of those uh, get together's. That's and probably what it was. That's yeah, it was. last time I saw you was in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, man, I, I would love to, man. I, I would love to. I can't train
3: you in anything, but I can (laughs) offer you a very below-average comedy set uh, (laughs) if you want to come to the comedy set. I know who you
5: are, man. You ain't (laughs) below-average at all. But yeah, so absolutely, man. So I I, I look forward to doing this again with you, Cass.
3: Yeah, it was great talking to you, man. Really, really fun.
5: And I've been a fan for a while. So just like
0: when
3: you met Lennox Lewis
4: and you realize he's not a – I never looked at you as cocky, but now that I get to know you, I like you. I'm even a bigger fan now. Oh, thank you. Thank you good stuff and oh, i love you see i meant that part from uh the dark uh the dark night enough from the clown or something like that. i love that <laughs> shit no, thanks, love man. Thank anyway you. man great to
5: meet you mike yeah really good you too, to you too you guys take care
3: that was fun oh it was awesome i could have talked to him for two hours we just we're, we're we're literally our show is 30 minutes longer than normal he's awesome
4: he was, very, he was fantastic. Nice
3: guy. Yeah. A
4: true martial artist and a humble guy.
3: Yeah. You know, he he
4: look, you know I was in there, but with, with, I was sparring and this thing was beating me up. I hardly got through. So he's a very honest guy. I it's mean,
3: fun to be him. I think it's probably, he has a fun life. He's doing what he wants to do. He gets to spar with guys he likes. Like, I think it's fun being him. What a fun life.
4: Jimmy, you know who else has a fun life? Who, Matt? You're looking at both of them right now. That's right. Me and you, buddy. Jimmy, I'm gonna to talk to you in a couple of days. Uh, you can get me on Cameo, Matt Sarah on Cameo. Matt Sarah, or actually, uh, excuse me, Sarah I'm I'm up in my merch. Look at this one.
3: Da 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 Oh, Sarah Jiu-Jitsu. Anyway, ah. Jimmy, you got one. If you want to go to uh, get yourself a new Halloween shirt, they are now up uh at Chipchipperson.com. Uh, All of the Halloween shirts are now up. So go and check it out if you want to grab a Chip Chipperson Halloween shirt. Halloween? Yep. Boo! <laughs> Jimmy, I love you. All right, pal, I'll talk I, to you in a couple
5: I, days. You in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, bye bye.
4: Bye, gang.
0: NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com/partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.